to the Futures podcast from the Futures team here at Birkbeck, University of London. In this podcast, we'll be chatting with industry leaders and top UK employers to hear their advice, uncover what they look for when hiring and share their experiences of their own personal career journeys. We hope you enjoy the show. On this episode of the Futures podcast, we are joined by marketing expert, career coach and Birkbeck alumni, Selena Yankson. So big welcome, Selena, and thank you for joining us on the show. Did you want to start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your career story? Yeah, um, thank you uh, for having me, first of all. Um, uh, my career story has been, you know, quite mixed. I came into um, Birkbeck fairly late as a mature student and really because uh, where I grew up, I wasn't able to um, finish my college education, Mm -hmm. uh, mainly because my parents couldn't afford me to continue. So I had to leave and I I came into the world of work. And um, I started off in administration and then I worked in sales for quite a a lot of years. And then I moved into uh, a corporate role in a telecommunications Mm -hmm. organization. And it wasn't really until then that I, I, I started to see other people doing various different things with their careers. And I think the thing that was missing for me was completing my education, very much so. I think that was that was the main thing. Yeah. And then um, my manager at the time suggested, you know, what was I interested in? What did I want to do? And I was doing a competitive analysis at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that had a kind of a, a regulatory feel to it. And I was actually quite interested in that. So I decided that maybe I would explore law because I'd done law, I'd done a law GCSE, done quite well of it, I was quite interested in it. And then I came to uh, Birkbeck to do um, a certificate in legal method, really, okay. which was the precursor mm-hmm. to uh, my law degree. And did you carry on working whilst you were... Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, there were no breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have loved to have said, you know, I would have liked to take that time out, but um, there were no breaks. So yeah. I studied in the evenings, um, and on my weekends, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, what it gave me was um, it kind of opened up a new world to me. And because I think I'm quite competitive with myself as well, um, I was able to see, you know, my work really um, uh, crystallised in, you know, success in my written work and in my exam. It gave me a lot of confidence mm-hmm. to move forward. And also as well, I think it opened a lot of doors for me on that in that regard. Yeah. Because I was much more confident about doing things. And I think that's what, you know, a further education always does. Mm-hmm. It gives you much more confidence and it takes away the, the barriers. Oh, well, you're not quite there. So you haven't really studied to, to that. And for some people, it doesn't really matter in their lives. Maybe they have the connections or mm-hmm. they're very fortunate to work in an organisation that recognises that. But um, for the vast majority of people, unfortunately, you are still judged on your educational abilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into and doing a, a further education of any description is never wasted. So I think that really yeah. helps. So that was part of my kind of career journey. And then I moved um, to various different roles mm-hmm. and I worked in... Um, as I said, I worked in sales, then I worked in agency, so I was an account director for a couple mm-hmm. of agents, agencies. And then for the last few years, really, I've really concentrated on marketing. Mm-hmm. And from there, I then became a career coach. Okay. And what areas of marketing? See, marketing is a big world. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is a big world. So basically, I've done marketing operations. Um, I've also done uh, marketing. I mainly concentrate on marketing strategy, mm-hmm. um, but you ca- can't just do marketing strategy. You also need to do be able to do the implementation. Mm-hmm. I also do some content marketing, so 
uh, content strategy as well now. I mean, the digital world has really opened things up, so we're doing things very, very differently yeah. to when I first started. Um, uh, I did a lot of campaign management as well, so that really made you understand about you know how to get get your product to market, go mm-hmm. to market planning. So I do a lot of planning, a lot of process planning, and then putting that all together under the under the under strategy, and then you know going to market with that. Mm-hmm. I and mean, of course, you've also got the you know the competitive analysis side, which I still do. Um, but mainly, uh, it's a marketing strategy now. Okay. And then I work very much with um, sales teams as well because I think having been a salesperson, you really need to understand about what's going on on the ground, mm-hmm. what they can actually sell, as opposed to what the business wants them to sell. It's a yeah. combination of both, so you need to be able to balance balance the two. Yeah, I think people quite often underestimate how closely the sales and marketing teams are linked, and it's good that you have that. You have the experience on both sides to know what the sales experience, what the sales team actually experience and go through. Especially if you're creating the content or any marketing collateral for them to then use, it's important that you understand how it's going to be used and actually um, understood by the customer, I guess. Absolutely, and I think think one cannot forget you know when you have done sales you're the person at the end of the rejection all the time yes you know that person is always saying no you know you're going to experience far more no's than you're ever going to experience mm-hmm. yeses you know and it's you know and it's a hard thing for salespeople. And, and the trouble is sometimes uh, marketing departments don't actually understand that because they're not they're not at the thin end of the wedge mm-hmm. uh, now we we all market through content and storytelling but at the end of the day somebody has to go in there and close the deal yes for um the customer yeah, and um, that's negotiation skills. That's really understanding the customer needs. And sometimes it's not about the product; it's about whether they, that person that you're dealing with, can actually sell it internally, mm-hmm. sell that story internally. So that's what I tend to help marketing teams do to help the salespeople to help their internal contacts to close that deal and tell the story properly. Yeah. And there's a lot more skills, like you say, negotiation skills. There's certainly, um, you learn a lot of communication skills, you learn to be resilient. There's a lot of skills within sales that are quite often under- Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> when I uh, did tele-sales for a very particular newspaper organisation, <laughs> when I think back of the horror stories <laughs> working, you know, I mean, you certainly were really tough. I mean, I, I started on a floor of 120 people wow. and you had to make 60 effective calls a day. Um, that, that, that's actually pitching. And then you, so you had to make generally double that amount of calls mm. every single day. And I did wow. that for four and a half to five years um, before I even got in front of customers. Mm. So you really get to understand what it is that they want, yeah. uh, where they are. I mean, now it's it's changed because, of course, People don't pick up the phone so much, mm-hmm. or they put you on voicemail or something like that. But then a lot of sales were were conducted mm-hmm. over the telephone, and it was a very effective, and it still is to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. still a, a very effective medium. And I guess, like you say, digital's grown, so that's now, I guess, taken over a lot of that, or not all of it, but. I think <clears throat> I think with with digital, um, it's still another channel, mm-hmm. and for some people, that that still works. Um, but I think with digital, you can hide behind it. So you can keep on downloading white papers, you can keep yes. on collecting information, but are you going to, is that person going to act on that information? And that's really the job of the salesperson yeah. to make sure that information is acted on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the marketing really as such is really you're trying to cr- create uh, a story, a need, um, a feeling <clears throat> so that people come to you and and look into your product. So you're, you're really creating interest and then you're hopefully you're looking for the salespeople to close yeah. those people who are 
you know, your type of customer in your price range, mm-hmm. um, looking for the kind of solutions that you can offer in your business to help them move forward in their businesses. Yeah, definitely. And so did you find um, that you had many transferable skills from your law degree moving into more of a marketing focused role? Absolutely. I mean, a lot of um, people ask me, you know, why did you do why did you do law and not marketing? And mm. the reason for that is because uh, I wanted to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had been doing marketing for a number of years and sales for a number of years, I kind of understood in terms of the the practical stuff. I'd already done that, but also as well, when you are marketing, you still have to have writing skills. You yeah. have to have um, deductive skills. You still need negotiation skills. Um, Law teaches you how to put together, for example, an argument Mm -hmm. and argue for both sides. So at the same time, you know, why somebody would buy your product, but also understanding why they wouldn't and being able to make that bridge. So there's a lot of skills that law gives you Mm. um, that uh, I'm sure a marketing degree would do, but I had the practical skills of actually doing the marketing as well. Were you surprised by how many skills you had? Um, I think, I mean, for myself, I always wanted to do more. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Growing up, I thought I could do an awful lot of things. And when I came into the workplace, I was actually quite disappointed about how limited um, the skill set I was using. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to do more, which is one of the reasons why I decided to do a lot of interim work in the end. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to wait around for somebody one day to decide that, oh, you know, Selena can do this or Selena can do that. I wasn't prepared to wait, so I, I was actually quite impatient. Yeah, uh, which is not the the best uh, <laughs> the best trait to have. But I, I I wanted to move myself forward. I didn't want to wait for other people to yeah. discover my talents. I wanted to explore my own talents and um, some of the organisations I worked in. For example, you had to be at a certain level in order to get the training. For example, mm-hmm. uh, to get the salaries. And to get the breaks, and I didn't, I didn't believe that no. about myself. Well, I guess so, if you're not at that level, then you need the training to help you get to that more senior. Exactly, level. and, so, and, and that's uh, yeah, it is. And so I just thought I want to break through all of that. Mm. You know, I wanted to be able to, um, you know, get those salaries, get those breaks, because I was confident enough to do it. Yeah, and I was prepared to put the work in to do mm-hmm. it, and I was prepared to put the learning in behind the scenes to do it as well. So I thought, well, why wait? Yeah. So let's have a look at that. How did you originally get into interim? Because for a lot of people, it's it's a very scary change to to go into contract work and not know when your next project's going to be or even how to find those projects and where to start. So how did you make the decision? I think the decision in, in, in some respects was made for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in as much as um, I was in, in, in certain roles. And then you start to think, hmm, maybe I don't want more of the same. So sometimes when you come out of a job, you end up doing more of the same. And I think the thing is, with interim work, you have to uh, use a number of skills and you need to be able to add value very quickly because mm-hmm. you don't have the luxury of, say, six months to settle in, get to know the company yeah. and um, get to know everybody. So you have to be able to sort of dive in and make those mm-hmm. um uh, you know, make those additions to and, and value-added additions to the company straight away. And I was prepared to do that. Mm. And, you know, yeah, it was quite scary thinking, oh, my mm. gosh, what have I got myself into? And then you get into it and then you get into a rhythm. Mm. Also, as well, you know, when somebody's advertising for an interim, they want a job fixed there and then. You know, they don't want to wait either. Yeah. So you're always in competition with yourself. So you don't allow yourself to become stale. And then that's, I think that was my biggest fear mm. 
was to become stale and contented in a role and then find that I couldn't uh, move to the next step. Um, you know, businesses move very fast these days mm-hmm. and sometimes, um, you know, you're not in, a right, in the right position, you haven't realised what's going on in your own industry or in your own company, you haven't made those investments in those relationships mm-hmm. or you haven't made those investments in yourself and then you find yourself, you know, out of a job or um, there's big changes or you maybe might have to reapply for that job mm-hmm. that, that you've been doing for years and then what? And when that doesn't happen, uh, a lot of people, you know, find themselves on the other side mm-hmm. of the desk, you know, they find themselves uh, redundant or what have you. I, I, I never wanted that to happen to me. Yeah. So if if somebody listening is thinking about going down the contract route, what would your advice to them be? Um, I think you need a few years of experience under your belt, to mm-hmm. be absolutely honest. I think you need to be fairly confident of the skills that you have. I think you need to be willing to, you know, jump in at the deep end. It's, it's not an easy thing to do mm-hmm. because, remember, nobody's training you, so you're investing in your own training. Um, but the rewards are that you experience other cultures other people i've met some brilliant people who've then become my very best friends Mm. over the years and i and i wouldn't have met those people had i not been contracting yeah so i think you know there for me there's been a lot of pluses um obviously uh, and it again it depends on what field of work that you're in you know you don't get paid holidays and um so you have to sort of save between but sometimes you do get chance to do other 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 and different things Mm -hmm. as i do because um I'm a career coach as well, so I get to work on my own programs with my own clients, yeah. and I love that. So, you know, it does depend, but, but the number one thing is I think you need to have a few years um, behind you. And when you say, obviously, you don't get the training in a lot of places, so that's your responsibility to keep up skilling yourself in your own time. I think that everyone's been talking about this for years, <clears throat> and I call it like this. It's like the San Andreas Fault. Which side of that fault are you going to be on? There are people who are going to be left behind mm-hmm. as the ground shifts. There are going to be people who are making the leap and they don't know, quite know whether they're going to get there. Yeah. And there are people who made the leap a long time ago and are on the other side of that. And <clears throat> and I think everyone now needs to be responsible for their own learning. No one's responsible for you. Yeah. If you want to get, I mean, people talk a lot about mentors and people can help them, but you know, where do you find these people? And yeah. are they going to be mentoring you for any length of time? Um, so that means that you need to be responsible for your own learning. You need to watch your market, mm-hmm. um, watch what's happening in the markets. Um, the skills that you have today uh, may not be relevant tomorrow, but some other skill that you have, maybe in your hobby or something like that, mm-hmm. is a skill, for example, like writing. Um, everyone is a content marketer these days. Everyone is a communications person. Yeah. Um, some people who uh, may have got an English degree and thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to use that for. I don't want to be a teacher necessarily. But now the world is a royal because this is the skill that most people want. Uh, because we live in an age where we're create, you're creating content and yeah. telling stories. So everyone's a content creator. Everyone's <laughs> a content creator, but not everyone can get it down on paper yes. in the way that people understand. You know, that is a real skill. Yeah. And I think something that I always find really interesting is when I speak to candidates and say, why are you leaving? And they say, because I haven't had any training and development. And I say, well, have you asked? Have you taken control and asked your manager if you can go on a training course that you've seen? And they say no. And I think you're completely right that it is so important that we do take it into our own hands. A lot of time, a lot of the time it kind of slips managers' minds that you might not have been on any training. Well, I think I, I think there's, there's two things. I think... Um, 
a lot of managers don't actually have a budget. Yes. So they have so they have to then ask their uh, manager to um, you know make some kind of investment. They have to make a business case. And if they don't see you as that person who's been critical to their own success, they're not going to ask mm-hmm. you. And I think that's another thing as well that people forget that you know not necessarily that your manager is not doing the best that they can, but they're a person in their own right. They mm-hmm. can't ask for everybody. So if you're not the person they see as critical to them, so if you left, um, that would be that would a material affect their success. Yeah. Then. They will they they will maybe ask for you, but if you're a person who's kind of middling in a in a in a team and you're not you know really standing out, which is why the power of personal branding mm-hmm. is really important here, um, then you're going to get left behind. Yeah. But if you don't want to get left behind, then you need to make the investment in yourself mm-hmm. and take control of it. Yeah. And I mean, I decided many years ago that I I needed to do at least something every year, and that would be something that could be a presentation mm-hmm. skills you know course. I listened to lots of seminars. I listened to a lot of big American players uh, in the market about how to present, how mm-hmm. to do different things, um, confidence building, because all of those things will help you eventually. And there's so many resources out there online now that makes oh, that The world accessible. is your oyster. Yeah, you just have to you know, stick on a podcast and listen yeah. to many podcasts that are really interesting just to hear how people tell their story. Mm. That, that alone is really interesting. Yeah. And something else I wanted to discuss with you, obviously whilst you've been doing Instagram work, you have worked both agency and client side. Yes. And this is something that quite often students, I think a lot of students don't necessarily always consider agency side, um, or they're just looking at marketing roles in general and don't really consider the difference between agency and client side. So what, what would you say um, are the pros and cons of both? I think, first of all, is to understand what a, a, an agency really does. Yes. So I think um, agencies are usually small innovation hubs, mm-hmm. you know, so the people that they, they, they're employing are um, mainly creatives. Um, and obviously now you've got, uh, you know, maybe developers to create some of these digital assets that they are building for companies. But they're generally, generally speaking, they're going to be small individualized companies. So they're on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so when, a, when they get a large um, client, they need to service that client really well in order to keep on getting more business. So that's number one. So you are always at the mercy of the client. Yes. You know, and, and we used to have a saying, you know, there's, there's your time and there's client time. So if you have a deadline that the, your client misses, it doesn't matter. But if you miss your client's deadline, that's a whole mm-hmm. different ball game. So I think there, there, therein lies the difference and the and the, and the pressure. Mm-hmm. So when you're on the client side, of course, you're the one who has the budget. Um, you're the one who is, you know, maybe coordinating your product project, putting that together, and then briefing the, your agency to, to create the thing that you cannot do internally. Yeah, and oftentimes. Um, organizations that are large of course have a series of agencies and they will generally be smaller businesses Mm -hmm. so if you're working for a smaller business anyway you're going to have to do a lot more things than you would um, in a large organization because they'll have people for those individual jobs whereas when you work in an agency you're going to have to you know do things with less resources Mm -hmm. you're going to be working late nights because when your client decides at five to five that (laughs) they want something to see at 10 o'clock in the morning, yes. you're going to be pulling, you're going to be working late hours. And that's yeah. why a lot of people don't want to do agency. Mm-hmm. But but it's a great training. You know, it's a great training about time management, being able to take a brief, read mm. a brief, um, manage the client money and the client expectation. 
um, because sometimes you know people do throw things over the fence without actually thinking about yes. how that's going to be translated and then people are always firing agencies but actually often it's because um, their expectations haven't been managed about what the agency can really mm. do is that deadline um, reasonable are you able to push back as the account director and say actually no do does your client understand about the resources necessary the people um, at the, in the agency who are going, I'm going to have to brief as a mm -hmm. account director and manage the money and manage their time to produce the thing that you want yeah and I think that's so you're going to be using negotiation skills um, communication skills your writing skills um, time management um, influencing skills because mm -hmm. you're going to be working with a lot of people um, both with the client side and in your own agency to make that work for you so i think it, if you can do it mm -hmm. that's really where the innovation lies in agencies rather than large companies but it's it's not an easy road yeah and i guess it's also the learning curve in the fact that you won't just be working on one project you could be managing four different clients doing completely different things for each four of those so it can be a great um way to start your career and witness how different brands work how different campaigns work and get involved in lots of different things Absolutely, and I think yeah, and I think that that's that's the thing you can experience different companies by working in an agency because you'll be going to different organisations, different cultures. Uh, they'll have different needs. You'll mm -hmm. understand. You'll start to understand about you know the issues that they're having with their clients and their clients' clients because often you're you're selling to sort of two or three sets of people mm -hmm. unknowingly. Um, and you need to be able to see that whole kind of chain. You'll learn about process. Process is really important in agencies, about how a piece of work comes in and how it gets translated through the agency and then out and delivered to the other yeah. side. Uh, so there's the project management side, the process side, and there's the creatives working together. So there's a lot of things to recommend agencies for sure, but mm -hmm. it, it's, yeah, it's hard going. Yeah. It's hard going. And from my experience, always find that people that have agency experience can move client side fairly easily whereas the other way around is very tough. So what would you say to somebody that's, say, at marketing manager level client side and now wants to move into an agency? What advice would you give them? I think generally speaking, how that normally happens is the agency will approach that person because they want that, that client, that particular client. Mm -hmm. um, if you're managing a large, you know, lucrative client, then the agency would probably want you to move that side and bring that piece of business with you. Mm -hmm. um, that's generally how, how it works. Um, it's a lot faster. Um, and I say that generally speaking, like, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking for all agencies, and there are obviously some very large agencies out there that have some amazing resources. But generally speaking, if you're going to a smaller agency, and a lot of small agencies, um, you know, handle an amazing amount of business. Mm. Um, so that cannot be ignored. But I think it's, you know, I think it's all experience. Some people that it works out for, sometimes just go there for a year and see how you get on. You don't have to, I always say to my clients, you know, you don't have to study if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, people get into jobs and they think, oh my God, I've got to commit myself for the next five years. Why? You don't have to. Yeah. You know? I guess that's the, the great thing about interim work. You're just there for a project or for however long your contract is, and then you can go and try something new. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done interim project projects that have rolled on for eighteen months mm. and even two years, but I think it's a mindset as well. You um, know that you're going somewhere else. You know that there's another project. Yeah, you know there's another project, and also as well, sometimes you've reached the extent of what that um, that particular client can 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 give you. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and you both, you both, you know, experience your skills and then you might find something um, during that project and think, oh, actually, I'd like to do my agile work. And you might think next time I might, you know, look at a course to do agile and then I really want to use that in the next project mm-hmm. as well to try and experience that. And I, that's what I like about it is that I have a lot of different skills and I like to be able to be able to use them. And I think sometimes we think we've only got one possibly two skills and we have yeah. to stick with those all of our lives and we don't have to and also as well many of us are late bloomers you know we don't know what we what we were good at at university it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily translate into um, how we want to uh, go forward in our careers mm. and not only what you're good at but actually what you enjoy doing and what you're passionate about yeah and what you want to do every single day um, so should we switch and put on your career coaching hat now? Yep, why not? <laughs> um, and let's start with, so student wanting to kickstart their career in marketing, but not really sure where to go, how to start, what kind of the initial stages, what would you say to somebody? I think one of the things when you don't know where to start is start with your area of interest. Mm-hmm. So, if, for example, if you want, if you're a fairly creative person and you want to, you know, um, potentially look at creating collateral, or maybe you're a data-driven person mm-hmm. and you really want to understand, get on the skin of the business and understand what the customers are doing, or you're interested in, say, the customer journey yeah. and how a customer arrives at a certain point, you know, um, within the marketing and the sales uh, kind of funnel. Or whether you're, you know, more coming out in business, even, mm-hmm. in the marketing funnel. There's lots of different jobs that you can do within marketing, and then of course there's the, all the all the comms roles now: internal, yes. external, um, content uh, generators. So there's there's lots of different roles. So I would say, it's, you know, start with your area of interest. Mm-hmm. You know, there are of course there are internships. Um, uh, you know, I have very different views about internships, but, um, you know, they are a, a good way to start. Mm-hmm. But also as well, you know, go on to something like LinkedIn and connect with people who are in big companies. Yeah. You know, there's loads of HR managers out there. There are loads of departmental managers. Sometimes there's, uh, you know, summer uh, things that you can do or somebody you might even want to shadow, mm-hmm. you know, if you can if you can afford it, um, you know, for a couple of weeks just to ask the, the relevant questions. Yeah. Um, with marketing, I think a lot of people don't, apart from FMCG, which is an area that I don't specialise in, mm-hmm. um, I think most people don't necessarily study uh, marketing in its complete sense. So when you go there, you, you, you know, you're, you're creating something from end to end. Mm-hmm. But the reality is when you go into marketing, you'll probably be going into a particular area yeah. or starting. It might be lead generation, for example, or demand generation, mm-hmm. uh, as I say, content marketing, or it could be the analytics side or the digital marketing side, um, you know, PPC, you know, SEM, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, as I say, you know, look at the areas that you're interested in and make some connections, mm-hmm. reach out and ask people, what does that job entail? Because the glamorous side of a job can look very glamorous from the outside, but actually you might, be, you might after a couple of weeks think, mm, this is not really for me, I'd yeah. much rather be doing something on the content side, mm-hmm. for example. And there are endless areas of marketing. I mean, you just listed lots and there's still more out there. Marketing's a very exciting place, very exciting place to be because, you know, it is the lifeblood of many businesses, Mm -hmm. whereas sales used to just be the lifeblood of businesses. But now that gap has 
really closed mm. and businesses that do well uh, these days really have a fusion of um, sales and marketing really working together yeah and something that you briefly just touched upon that um, I want to talk through in more detail LinkedIn LinkedIn yes. is obviously a, an amazing resource and it's something that I always talk about on the podcast um, and how important it is to have that network so obviously we met through LinkedIn um, and LinkedIn is just I think it's such a powerful resource for anybody looking um, not even just to not even for a new role but just in general for career growth for personal growth you can upskill yourself through LinkedIn what what would your advice be on using LinkedIn well I think li LinkedIn is still the sleeping giant mm -hmm. I mean absolutely I, I think LinkedIn has so much potential I mean there, there was a I mean LinkedIn has been taken over by Microsoft I think two two maybe three years ago mm -hmm. now um, and they really ramped up the services that they are offering um, just from the recruiter side um, from the sales side they have a various products that they that they use and 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 sell but I think from an individual um, you know LinkedIn is much more than a CV these days it's how you position yourself this yeah. is where your personal brand is really important how you're you know lots of people you know feeds right into that kind of curiosity oh you know what's that person do where they've been mm. and what i like about linkedin um is that you do have a point of reference because it does actually um people do have to fill out that profile with a with an area of truth in there yes. and i think some other profiles people sort of reinvent themselves and you find oh actually they're not quite who they mm -hmm. who they say they are and that's what i quite like about linkedin you still have to you know, fill in your educational background, you know, where you worked, etc. And you can sell yourself on LinkedIn. This is again where the sales skills come in. Mm -hmm. What can you do? What problems do you solve? Who do you solve those problems for? What are you looking for? There are various tools on there where you can say, um, if you go into your account and you can look and you can say, I'm, I'm up for, a, I'm looking, I'm open for job opportunities. Mm -hmm. You can have recruiters uh, contacting you. Um, so you don't even have to go out and do that. I mean, as yeah. a student, you really need to work on that really early uh, I mean, I'm coaching a student at the moment and he's a developer mm -hmm. and you know we mentioned social media some time ago and now he's really understanding that this is the, the, the you know the powerful connection mm -hmm. very few people carry business cards these days they say oh link in with me or yeah. find me on Twitter um, but LinkedIn is such a powerful mm. thing you know get a decent picture up there say what you're looking for um, you know talk about your experience and now of course you have the kind of the publishing platform which is now open to absolutely everybody mm. before they just had you know major influencers but now it's open to everybody um i mean i would be careful about some of the content that you do see you think oh, yes I, i'm not quite I, I still believe that uh, linkedin should primarily be about business and linking people mm -hmm. um so I, I, I that that's my personal view no, I uh, and, I, and i and i and i like to see information uh, on linkedin that i maybe i, I would have missed before so mm -hmm. you know um other learnings um interesting facts and figures what other businesses are doing i'm quite interested in that following those businesses mm. and and hearing what they're doing so i think that it's all to play for yeah and there's a lot of recruiters out there desperate to know that you're out there and if you don't do that as a student you're really missing a trick, mm. I think. And I would say also use it, not when you're just looking for a new job. I think a lot of people say, oh, I'm using it now, I'm looking for a job and I'm not seeing any benefit. But that's probably because you haven't built the network up for when you need it. You haven't showcased your personal brand. You've literally just decided that you're gonna start a job search. 
and have opened LinkedIn for the first time in six months. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is, I mean, um, you know, LinkedIn, the people on LinkedIn, I think you have you have two types of people on LinkedIn. So I think when it first started off, some people said, I only want to, they sort of use it as a personal address book. So they only wanted to mingle with the people that they already knew, mm-hmm. already worked with and, you know, had an association with. And that, you know, and that's a, a, a very good way to go for some people who have been a long time in the marketplace and have that very established network and maybe a specialist. Yeah. But if you don't know where you're going and you don't know who you who you want, who can help you, mm. then, you know, link in with people. I mean, okay, there's always people who are going to be spamming you with various different things. You can ignore those people and just cut them off. But, um, you know, sometimes you don't know who they know. And that's the power of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. They can suggest somebody. I mean, I was looking for a, a VA recently, um, a technical VA, mm. and somebody recommended somebody. We, we've had a meeting and we're probably going to do some work together. All it takes is the right person to see it or the right person to like it and then somebody on their, their network to see it. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just an easy, it's just a very easy way of making those connections. And that doesn't mean to say you don't do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Not everyone on there, as I say, is um, who they say they are. But yeah. um, that's for you as an individual to check out as you would, mm-hmm. you know, in any sort of face to face situation. Um, but I think it's so powerful that it cannot be ignored. And, you know, somebody said to me, there was a stat, they said that the UK is one of the, the second, um, uh, biggest user of LinkedIn and mm-hmm. yet there are only something like three million people who publish on LinkedIn because everyone else is lurking around and, and that to a certain extent includes myself you know yeah. um, you know but I think LinkedIn is one of those things on my list certainly to make more of mm-hmm. and I get my coaching clients through there as well so and I think LinkedIn is a great platform to um, showcase your personal brand so what 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 does a personal brand mean to you a personal brand means what you want to be known for, really. How do you want people to think of you? Mm-hmm. Um, when they think of me, what, what what are the two or three things that I want them to, to know about me or in, in, in the context of the work that mm-hmm. I do? Um, and it's really being consistent about that, you know, really showcasing that um, within... I mean, you, as I say, you can write up articles, you can showcase that. I mean, now, I mean LinkedIn even scores you about you know how good your profile yes. is i mean i have an all-star profile mm-hmm. because I've, I've spent time on it over the years you know go back redo it you know some of the wording that's in your mm-hmm. um uh, linkedin profile maybe you know old style wording yeah. you know people's called it online now it's all digital you mm. know so update things you know look at the keywords um that's really important to get found because people mm. can find you um, you, you can you can really cut out so much work by having a really decent LinkedIn yeah. profile. It doesn't matter what stage of your career you're at. Yeah, and I think it's building a LinkedIn profile for, for the jobs that you want, not necessarily the jobs that you have had, and using your personal brand to help show that. So um, I guess especially with a lot of our students, if they're career changers, it's a great platform to, to show your interests in the industry that you want to move into and build your personal brand around that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think for some people, some people who will be of a different age group, they've been lucky, maybe they've been in an industry for 15 years, and it's been okay for them, you know? They've made their career progressions within a a particular industry, but when that stops, or the industry changes, such as something like banking, Mm -hmm. um, where digital has really affected the digital transformation, 
that's going on within the banking industry right mm-hmm. now is completely different. That stops. But now I think it's good to show that you've done different things. Yeah. People need to see, see that you're versatile, that you're willing to learn, that you're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to take a chance on yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's what I like to see. I like to see progression. I think people who do the same things all the time in a very small area, unless they're very really at the, the, the top of their game mm-hmm. on that, run the risk of sort of uh, possibly um, not being current anymore. Mm-hmm. And what would you say um, to career changers who are looking to, to move into a completely different field, but they don't want to necessarily step back down to a, to a junior level? Well, I think you have to, uh, well, I think there's two things, really. I think you have to be, when you're career changing, you're always going to be learning something new. Mm-hmm. You're coming into a new field. So I think it's unrealistic to think that you're not going to have to step down. Yeah. Because you're learning. You're mm-hmm. new. Um, so I think that, 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 that that's number one. The second thing is to have a career plan. Um, you really do need to work out what it is you're going to do within this in this new career. And, you know, lots of careers have, you know, lots of different types of potential but where do you want to go within that career it's a bit like marketing you know it's a big word Mm -hmm. but there's lots of different things you can do and I think you really do need to work out on your career plan Mm -hmm. literally create one and start working through it you know reach out to the people who are already doing that job find out as much as you can about the area you think you're interested Mm -hmm. in and then try and get some experience in that um, in that area but either by working either informational in- interviews start working it as a hobby volunteering your time you know until you become proficient that you can actually apply for a job in that area yeah. or um, conversely you know get a qualification in that area mm-hmm. and what would your advice be for understanding your own skill set because I feel like this is something that it's quite a common issue with a lot of people looking for a job and they say but I don't have the skills for that and when you actually talk to them and you understand their experience a lot of the time they do have those skills it's just about drawing them out themselves exactly because some of us you know are told oh you're, you're a great writer so you, you must be writing and thinking I am I enjoy writing but I don't really want to do it mm-hmm. for you know a job or um you know they're really good at influencing people or they're they're actually a great organizer and they don't even realize it yeah you know one of the things i actually um, did quite a lot of was event organizing and i did it a lot on the outside mm-hmm. and it was a really great thing to use in a marketing strangely enough because it yes. meant i could project manage things mm-hmm. so some of the some of the skills that you have you need to think whether i can apply them to the job that i'm looking for and you know they could be quite broad mm-hmm. So, you know, the first thing is to write down all of those things, you know, all the things that you love doing, all the things that you don't like doing, you know, um, all the things that you would like to do mm-hmm. um, and see where you and see where you come out. Because then if you had to t- pick, you know, a top three of each of those, say you've got 10 skills, a top three. Yeah. You know, oh, I really like writing. I'm, I like drawing. I'm, you know, I feel I'm very creative. I come up with some great ideas. And then you have to balance that with, okay, what are the industries that you know I can use those skills in, but I need to couple them with some of the lesser skills mm-hmm. I don't like doing. Yeah. Because jobs are a mix these days. Very few people to get to do the pure thing that they really want, unless they're working for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think you just made a really good point. Write a list of the things that you don't like doing as well. Mm. I think everybody focuses on what they do want to do, and sometimes forget the things that they don't want to, and then they get into a role and realise that. They're doing one thing that they really want to do, but they're doing two things that exactly. they can't stand. So it's a good thing to note those and be aware of those. Yeah, and also be aware of uh, you know what 
where you want to be in the next sort of six months to a year. Mm. You know, the question always used to be, oh, where do you want to be in three or five years' time at interviews? I mean, now it's almost a, it's almost a redundant question because, you know, you don't. it depends on where your industry is going. Yeah. So if, if, I don't, if you've got anything else to add, and I've got one last question to yeah. ask you. Okay. So if you could go back again, um, go back to being a Birkbeck student or talk to every Birkbeck student listening, what would be your, your key piece of career advice? Follow the markets. Really understand the market and where they're going to. Everything is really fluid these days. You know, industries are coming up. You've got all the things like blockchain, AI, mm-hmm. um, open banking. You've got, um, you know, the healthcare industry, health tech. There's so much going on in the, in the, in the technical space right now. But you need to follow these industries. You need to see where they where they're developing, and then you need to see whether your where your skills will fit. Mm-hmm. That is my advice. And how how should they do that? There's so much. Well, first of all, get onto Twitter. Mm-hmm. Use that as your research tool. I use it as my search, and I absolutely love Twitter. I absolutely love it. Um, I also love LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Get onto some of these social. Do your research. It's easy. You know, you don't, you don't have to spend a lot of time. Open a profile, put a blank thing on there, and just use it to follow some of these companies. Yeah. Follow what they're doing. You know, find out people who are doing things. And the great thing about Twitter is, I have to say, even more than LinkedIn, is that actually a lot of influencers do answer their own tweets. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Particularly that's now because they've changed the way Twitter works. Mm-hmm. So you, before you might have a a Twitter uh, client that was, you know, you could you could upload pre-tweets and th- things like that, and now they're not using those so much on Twitter. Yeah. So now people have to put in their own information. So if you tweet somebody or they follow you, and you follow them back, or you you know you're commenting on their their stuff, they may well come back to you. Yeah, that's an interesting point and something that we haven't had yet so far on the series. Um, so a big thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience and all your tips. Um, as per usual, if there's anything that you want to find out more about that we've discussed, then obviously drop us an email at talent at bbk.ac.uk. Um, thank you again. It's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening to the Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time.